What's up, Playlisters? Brian from Playlist Wars here. Just want to let you know that while this show is on hiatus, both Gomez and I have separate shows that are part of the Playlist Wars extended universe, if you will. Gomez has the Sleevy G Show, which you can find at SleevyGPodcasts.com. And I have a new show entitled My Weekly Mixtape, which you can find over at MyWeeklyMixtape.com. Both shows are also available on all podcast platforms just by searching Sleevy G Show or My Weekly Mixtape. And Playlist Wars will be back soon. Thank you guys so much for your continued support of the show. This is Dave from the Beer in Front podcast, and you're listening to Playlist Wars. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Playlist Wars. I'm part of the dynamic duo. My name is Gomez and my well-established co-host, my partner in crime, Brian Colburn, with our special guest, Aaron from the Itch Rock and Radio podcast. What's going on, guys? Howdy. What's up? What's up? Man, I'm excited to be back again. I've been waiting to come back to do another episode here. Well, first and foremost, congratulations. It was a tough battle for Weezer, but I tip my hat to you. I appreciate that. I was so excited to find out that, you know, the audience voted for me on the itch. Whenever we do anything that's like a competition or a, or a vote between me and Dan and KC, I lose hard every time. And so wow. it, it was really like, you know, vindicating to get a win somewhere. Well, KC's coming on the show down the pike to do wrestling anthems with us. So mm-hmm. how do you think he's going to fare in that one? Casey is as a master. He is the most wrestling knowledgeable person that I know. Now, granted, he was very young during the 80s, which I believe he told me that that was the decade you're looking at. <laughs> yes, but he's pretty excited about it. And I think he's got some winners that he'll be ready to pull out. God, I just realized how old I am now. <laughs> I was born in 83. So uh, actually, oh. the early part of the 90s, when I'm looking at, at, at what we're doing here tonight, was pretty tough for me to to figure out. Yeah, so tonight, let's let's go into this, because tonight, because we're lazy, we didn't really establish any ground rules around a topic that should probably have some. <laughs> tonight, our topic is 90s rock one-hit wonders. And I think we might want to just kind of get on the same page here, as well as with the playlisters listening, so that way we all understand what each of the three of our collective ideas of what a one-hit wonder is. Because we posted out something on the Twitter sphere recently, and there was a lot of back and forth with some people saying, well, that's not a one hit wonder. Well, that is this is not. So I figured let's start with that. Aaron. why don't you tell us your criteria for picking a one hit wonder? Man, that was tough. And, and I know you and I went back and forth trying to hash out some type of common ground, but I ended up kind of having to, to figure out my own definition. One of the biggest challenges I ran into was the fact that. I was trying to make a distinction between a one-hit wonder and a this is their best-known song. And because there are a lot of artists out there who have one song that does stand out above the rest, but it doesn't mean it was the only one that was big. And there are also a lot of artists that kind of had some residual hits from the same album, and they might be more like one-album wonders. And so what I did, I came up with a definition that I was pretty comfortable with. I aimed... For songs that tracked on the Billboard Hot 100 at some point or another, but not every one that made it did. My criteria was essentially that whatever the highest chart that it tracked on, it needed to be the only track by that artist that did that. 
And so most are Hot 100. We have a couple of, of ones that charted on the modern rock charts. But that was as close as I could come to really narrowing it down. All right, Gomez? Oh, for me, it's your, like how you call it, One Hit Wonder as your number one only hit song. And I got a couple of them here. Matter of fact, I had 15. I had to cut to 10. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am not flip-flopping tonight. Ladies and oh, gentlemen, you heard it rock tonight. rock solid on your list. Ooh, Interesting. I am, I am rock solid because a rock one-hit wonder is pretty difficult because a lot of rock bands had more than just one hit. Yeah. But there are certain ones. And guys, you might laugh at my list. I don't know. You use that excuse a lot, and that's when you feel like you're bringing your A game. I, I've I've started to but, figure you out on this show. I've known you for thirty years here, but now I'm starting to figure out your evil game. So when you say you might laugh at this one, you're actually giving us the finger. No, 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 no. Right you know what? Wait till you see tonight, guys. You're gonna see why because I pulled out some abracadabra songs. You might like. Oh my god, I do remember this. Okay, so, all right, Brian. What do you consider a one hit wonder? All right. So for my consideration here, I basically went with it did not have to be a Billboard Hot 100 chart, but it had to be Billboard charting. So they did have the alternative rock, the modern rock charts, the rock charts, all that stuff. It had to fall somewhere on the Billboard charts. And that kind of bothered me a little bit because there are bands that I heard on the radio and one that I kind of would have loved to put in here was a hardcore band out of LA called Downset. And when I was in high school, they were played nonstop on 89.5 WSOU, which was a metal station here in New Jersey mm. based out of Seton Hall. And they had a song called Anger, which was from their self-titled album. Now, Downset was big enough to play on the second stage of Ozfest in the 90s when it was at Giant Stadium. But they never appeared on the Billboard charts. So that was kind of where I drew my personal line in the sand as far as a one-hit wonder goes. And as far as Downset goes, to be perfectly honest, I could do an entire episode on those guys <laughs> because they're one of my favorite hardcore groups. And I almost feel bad not including them, but that was where I went with kind of figuring out where I would draw the line. So I apologize to Downset and anyone who knows who they are. If not, look up that self-titled album. It was absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Anyway. Noted. So, Brian, now that we now all three of us had just had our discussion on one it wonders here, rock version. Gotta say the rock, because that's what we're doing. Yep. 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 Do we have rules tonight? Tonight we have no rules. No, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. out. Everyone just talk at once. <laughs> tonight, as always, our format is pretty simple. Like we said, our topic, 90s rock, one hit wonders. And the three of us have each individually created the playlist with our top 10 favorites, none of which have been shared between the three of us prior to now. Throughout the episode, we're each going to reveal our track ones through track tens one by one and craft what we each feel is the perfect 90s rock one-hit wonder playlist. After the episode, we'll turn it over to you, the amazing playlisters, to vote at PlaylistWarsPodcast.com to decide once and for all which one of us got it right. And while you're at PlaylistWarsPodcast.com, you can also listen to each of our playlists just in case you want to quote-unquote hear where we're coming from with these choices. Now tonight, we have a surprise for everyone. We're announcing a new twist to the show. Ding, ding, ding. Da, da, da. <laughs> Drum roll. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> we always talk about that song is an honorable mention for me. Well, now we're going to put our money where our mouth is. 
Because starting with tonight's show, before we read our final playlists out, we're each going to get to choose one honorable mention track of the night and add it to our playlist as a track 11. However, it has to be a song that someone else picked and you genuinely wanted to originally include it. It cannot be an 11th song that no one has talked about throughout the evening. So it's time to put up or shut up when it comes to those honorable mention picks for all three of us. Ooh. I'm ready. All right. So let's get this thing started. Aaron, our esteemed guest man, why don't you kick us off with track one? <laughs> I'm going to go with something that I feel represented an entire genre that just had a very brief moment in the sun in the 90s. And that is the third wave of ska. So I'm leading off with probably the most energetic track on my track list here. And that's Real Big Fish with Sellout. <laughs> Sorry, I love that song. I love it so much. Real Big Fish. Okay, this song is one of those ones that if you do hear it on the radio, like St. Louis Radio has, they do like, I don't know, Way Back Wednesdays or something like that. And they'll play a lot of stuff from the 90s. If Sellout comes on, I am happy for the rest of the day. And so it's just this wonderful track about this guy. He signed a record deal without thinking it through, but he knows it's going to be all right because everything's going to be taken care of by the label. And so <laughs> as, I, I, as you're saying, I'm, I'm hearing the, the the horns in the background. So I apologize, Aaron, because that's, again, one of my favorite songs, too. It gets you hyped right off the bat, though, doesn't it? It's a good it, one. It is. <laughs> it was their only charting single. Real Big Fish not only still exists, but it's still a fantastic live show. I saw them about three years ago and they're so much fun. But believe it or not, this was really the only song that ever charted. It was uh, number 10 on the modern rock charts. And to me, it's the defining song of that that late 90s ska revival that happened right before you know new metal and stuff even more i would say than the boss tones and so that's a big one a truly a big one uh one of my favorite ska bands definitely i, I had to thank brian because he introduced me to real big fish and ever since that one he took me to one show and i've been hooked ever since so hooked <laughs> <laughs> actually i think the first one i took you to was way back when probably in the early 2000s at the birch hill am i correct yes yeah, yeah. Yeah. And man, did I have a fun time. And it was a great, great band and still is to this day. But it did not make my list, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Oh, <laughs> please do. Real Big Fish is my favorite ska punk band. And they are one of my favorite 90s bands. With that being said, they're not on my list because I understand that Sellout was the only one that charted. But my God, if you tell people name a real big fish song the more people i ask actually say beer before sellout which to me chart success aside beer is a hit song it was in basketball it made my 90s soundtrack playlist because that it did yeah and and i mean and they've had a, a couple of covers they had take on me which was also on basketball yep and i just can't resign myself to the fact to admitting that they're actually a one hit wonder so this is, it's tough for me. They didn't make my list, but I would love to put them on there, but I also don't want to. Does that make any sense? <laughs> it yes, does. it does. I think show me a Coke. <laughs> I think that uh, the way you have there is, because I have a couple of other friends that are very big fans as well, and I bet that they would probably say that beer is their favorite. And I think what you have there is that that one is the like sentimental fan favorite. Uh, as opposed to the radio. And I was really going, trying to lean into radio to for the definition here. 
And so I'm with you. I I have their cover of Take On Me on a punk rock cover mixtape I made in like high school. And I still nice. listen to like a few times a year at least. And it's fantastic. So they, to me, are have many more quality tracks. But the U.S. Modern Rock Charts, they said just the one. So I went with it. I was actually listening to beer on the way home. I wish I was drinking it, but I'm not going to promote not drinking and driving here. After you got yeah. home, yeah. <laughs> oh, All right, man. Gomez. Well, we are now back to you with your track one. So my track one. So I'm going to say 1992, uh, a band called Urge Overkill mm-hmm. comes out with the great song, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. And I'll tell you, this was a truly a one-hit wonder, but what a great song. A, as you guys know, I'm always a big movie buff, and probably one of my favorite, I'll say one of my all-time favorite Quentin Tarantino films, Pulp Fiction, 1994. That's where you realize the song, how good it was. Because you see uh, John Travolta and, uh, oh my God, what is the actress's name? I just dropped the ball on this one. Someone help me out here. Who is, what's her name? Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman, thank you. Yeah, the you actress... weren't getting an answer out of me. You know you... the movie, my movie. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I forgot. Thank you, Aaron. I, because I couldn't leave you that hanging that far. Uh, no, I appreciate it. I totally forgot. I had a brain fart. <laughs> so Uma Thurman was in this, and you see her kind of like rocking out. And this is before she gets uh, kind of plummeted high in the movie. And she's rocking out at their house with uh, John Travolta with this song. And it's just got this old school beat to it. It's like a cross of like, I want to say hard rock, but a good classic rock, but mixed in with something else. I just couldn't put my finger on it. But truly a great song. Urge Overkill. Girl, you'll be a woman soon. Great, great, great cover. Obviously, Gomez, you know I'm a cover guy. Oh, I know you are. I know you are. That's why I didn't say anything. Well, when Pulp Fiction came out and I had the soundtrack, obviously having the soundtrack prior to seeing the movie, but regardless, (laughs) I had it on and my father actually said, Who's singing that? And I said, it's Urge Overkill. This is kind of a big hit right now. And he goes, yeah, it was also, you know, the song is like 30 years old. It 68. was a big hit before one time as well. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 he, and he's like, really? You should. And that's kind of, you know, around that time, the 90s are really known for remakes. And a mm-hmm. lot of cover songs became popular. And this was one of them. And it's a great song. And I love kind of that neil diamonds meets hard rock kind of okay that's the guy yes (laughs) so perfect for the pulp fiction soundtrack like really really perfect unfortunately this one did not make my track list i would say that it is sitting in my honorable mention list already for tonight though okay because i I really do like this song aaron did it make your list it did not like I said, the very early 90s were a hard time for me to find stuff from. And so that right. one did not. Although now that you mention it, and you know, I am familiar with Pulp Fiction, yeah, I don't quite know how that slid through the radar. Well, call it a hunch, Aaron, but I have a sneaking suspicion we're all going to be saying that a lot tonight. But with that being said, moving on, my track one is a song from 1993. Okay. And to me, being a musician, I like the way this song starts. Check, check, check. One, two. Ooh. Ah-oo. Ah-oo. <laughs> and then one of the most infectious bass lines of the 90s. I'm going from their 1993 album, Last Splash, The Breeders, Cannonball. The song reached number 44 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100s. That bass line, 
it has that 90s punky spirit to it. It, it kind of could fall under so many different genres. Yeah. And on top of that is this almost bubblegum pop like melody that you cannot help but sing along to. And I'm talking about in the verses before the chorus where she's screaming. But the verses have this thing going on and it's offset by this, you know, really heavy chorus. I just love this song. And I'd like to shout out to Pop Culture Yearbook, one of the playlisters that chimed in with this one on Twitter. Major kudos, because I think this song is just awesome. I I love The Breeders. Last Splash is such a fun album. And I I wish the world got to hear more than this song, at least on terrestrial radio. That's fair. I am a big fan of that sort of, you you said the word bubblegum, like female vocals mixed with like heavy, grungy sounds. I was and remain quite the Veruca Salt fan. And um, even to this day, newer acts, Slaybells is one of my very favorites. They're not, it's not quite the same thing as what the Breeders were doing, but there's enough connection to, and I'm going to say it. However, this track did not make my list. It's a quality one, though. It's immediately in honorable mention territory. All right. All right. Gomez? I'll tell you. Great band. Should add more hits, probably. But you know what it is? I think it was played so much on a radio, I got so tired of hearing it. And that's the thing, though. That's that's kind of what goes along with a one-hit wonder territory because most of these songs are massive in some way, shape, or form to the point where overkill plays into a factor. We had this issue when we did sports anthems with Justin Pennick of Talking Giants because those are the songs that everybody knows. So you really can't dig too deep because it was their one hit. Yeah, <laughs> It's the double-edged sword because you're going to pick something that is obviously a massive hit. Yep. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. All right, so Aaron, we're up to you for track two. Track two. All right, this one is one of my favorites because not only do I think it really, you know, fits the mold of what we're going for here, but it has such a weird story of how it happened. And technically, it was a top-charting hit twice by the same band, and that is The Proclaimers with I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles which is a track that actually came out in the 80s, but I'm not cheating here. I want to note that. Came out in 88, charted in the UK, was released again in the US in 93, along with the Benny and June soundtrack, which is a fantastic movie, and started here as well. And so it's just a, I don't know, I think it's an all-timer in terms of, of this genre. It's a very good pick. I did not like the Benny and June movie very much. No? Oh. Um, no, you I know thought what? that doing a soundtrack song would have, would have no, worked no, for you. No, no, but... no, no, it did. No, no, don't get me wrong. I, the soundtrack was actually really good to the movie. Mm-hmm. The, the movie itself, I don't know. Something about Johnny Depp playing the character, I don't know, did not work for me, maybe? You got to be like me, Gomez. Just buy the soundtrack and don't watch the movie. <laughs> well, no, I, unfortunately, I watched the movie, and it, it was just one of those soundtracks that were actually really good, but the movie was not. Uh, and that's my opinion. Again, a lot of people gave it four stars. I gave it two and a half. Um, I but just do you did get not... the song four stars, though. The, st- the song will get four stars. It just did not make my list tonight. All right. Obviously, the song is amazing. I absolutely love the track. My band's been playing it for years. It is so much fun. We actually come out of uh, My Best Friend's Girl by the Cars. Mm-hmm. And as that's ending, we start the chugging for this song. And everyone always puts a smile on people's faces, as is ours. It's just just got a fun vibe to it, and it's infectious. I didn't even think to include this as a 90s one-hit wonder because I knew Sunshine on Leith came out in 88. Right. That's like a gray area. 
And that's why I want to include it <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> so the Proclaimers have a ton of hits in the 80s and 90s in, in the UK. Yes, of course. We're talking US here. Right. This is the only track to chart in the US. And I was, I was, yeah, like you said, I was focusing on the US. And so I was like, this is an interesting one, if nothing else, for the story of it somehow yes. charting in two different, well, in more than two different countries, five years apart. That's crazy. Yes. And my wife would divorce me if I did not mention How I Met Your Mother and the role that this song plays throughout <laughs> the show, which is absolutely fit. She just opened the door and peeked in here. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> You're indeed doo-doo. And I also love to mention covers when possible in the 90s. Down by Law did a fantastic punk version of it. Mm -hmm. And then in the 2000s, MXPX did a really, really fun version, which Ooh. is very similar to the one that Down by Law did, only they mash it up with Surrender by Cheap Trick. That is also on my punk rock covers mixtape that I made. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, fantastic, fantastic covers of that song. Unfortunately, did not make my list, but it's a great pick. It's a fun song to talk about. I love it. Gomez, track two. So, track two. How can I say this one? Little pig, little pig, let me in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly. Uh, let me tell you, I love this song when I first heard it. And just having a rock version of it you have the first pig the straw builder pig escape from the farm where he was raised and beginning a new life in la uh you have the stick builder pig as the marijuana smoking bob marley listening dumpster diving hippie and preacher from venice beach and then you have the third pig which i love his name pig nugent with a master's <laughs> degree in architecture from harvard college who builds a concrete mansion in Hollywood Hills. And then you got the big, bad, Harley riding, big, bad wolf, which, as we all know in, this, in the video, I remember that the pigs called up and who came in? Rambo. <laughs> and shot down the big, bad wolf with an N16 or machine gun, whatever. Yo, wolf face. Yo, I'm wolf. your worst nightmare. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So it did peak on the number 17 in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in 93. And it was ranked number 35 on VH1's 40 most awesomely bad metal songs ever. <laughs> to me, it was the greatest song ever. It was great. So for me, track two, Three Little Pigs, Green Jelly. I love the song. I had the chance to interview Bill Manspeaker on my former podcast. And oh, nice. To tell you that he was one of the most fascinating people I've ever interviewed in my life. Even when you cut through the bucket loads of filth that were coming out of his mouth with every answer, in between that is this story of a guy that really, really made his brand and band work for it to his advantage. It's absolutely it would be damn documentary worthy as far as I'm concerned. His story is so amazing. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Plus, <laughs> let's not forget about the fact that Danny Carey from Tool plays drums on this track and Maynard from Tool is the not by the hair of my chinny chin chin <laughs> voice. So, yeah, I love this song. Unfortunately, the song did not make my list, but I'll tell you right now that is man. <laughs> forget urge overkill man that that is that, that i can tell you right now that just got dust off green jello is now my honorable mention contender right now and i don't know if that's going to be topped 
Let me tell you, I told you I was got I got some surprise for you. I had a surprise for you, didn't I? Yeah, I I like this pick a lot. Aaron? That was a narrow cut for me. It came so close. And it was a song that I had, because I remember this video as well. And it was actually a song that I had forgotten about. And still I started searching. Okay, like, you know, Google searches for this one. Look at 90s one hit wonders. And that popped up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the greatest day right now. (laughs) Green jelly has been reintroduced into my life. And so that brought back a huge wave of nostalgia. I was like, this was the most bizarre song and video, and I loved it. It didn't make the list, but as as Brian said, it's going to be tough to beat as an honorable mention. All right. Well, I'm going to go back from my track to 1992. This is a song that reached number five on the Billboard Modern Rock Charts and number 27 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart. So it never made the top 100. So if I was going to say that I have a deep cut pick for the night, This is going to be it, but it's one of those songs that hailing from New Jersey, I've seen no less than five different cover bands around here incorporate this song into their set list consistently, which makes me think that it might be just this area, but the song definitely holds a high regard. And this is from the 1992 album Puzzle. The band is called Dada, and the song is called Disneyland. Yes, yes. And it's spelled D-I-Z-Z-K-N-E-E-L-A-N-D. You know, to not piss off a certain mouse, which is probably the smart thing for them to do. Because the song, believe it or not, wasn't even about Disneyland. The bassist went on Westwood One's On The Edge. And he had mentioned that the song has nothing to do. This is kind of a quote here, but not verbatim has nothing to do with Disneyland and has more to do with the craziness of the juxtaposition of the state of your everyday. Hmm. Did you get all that? It's not about the place, but regardless, the song is insanely catchy. It just breathes that nineties alternative sound. And the riff is so infectious. The song doesn't go a lot of places, but what it does, (laughs) it does so damn well. And it's just one of those, when I hear the song, I'm like, I'm listening to 90s right now. It all, it puts me in a 90s mood. And this one might be a little bit of a deeper cut, but it's it's definitely one of my favorites. So Dada, Disneyland, track two. I don't know that song. Oh. And so I was just listening to it as you were talking about it to familiarize myself. <laughs> and I still didn't recognize it. I, I was not lying about those early 90s. They're a blind spot in my musical history. The very earliest, I still feel that I came up with quite the strong playlist because, you know, there's a number of years within the 90s to choose from. But 92, it was a tough one. <laughs> well, I highly suggest you give the the entire song a listen when we're yeah. done here. It's a great one. I, I, I love this tune. I've written it down next to Downset on my lookup list. I always have one of those. And yeah. now that's on there. Now, Brian, if I had a top 20 list going here, that would be in in my top 20, but unfortunately it did not make my list, but uh, awesome song. Good one on that one, man. All right. Awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, Aaron, we're back to you for track three. All right. So my track three is one that I actually heard you guys talk about on another recent episode, and I, I was tempted to leave it out, but it's just so form-fitting for this episode. And that is a one-hit wonder by a band that wasn't real, per se. Uh, it is a band that had an entire film dedicated to their existence as a one-hit wonder, and that is the title track from That Thing You Do by The Wonders. 
the own eaters. And <laughs> the own eaters, naturally. And so I, I, I adore this film. I adore this song. And I adore the fact that it made it in my qualifications by virtue of actually peaking at number 41 on the real Billboard Hot 100 in 96. And by those uh, qualifications, one of the catchiest tracks I've ever heard for, for a guy, Adam Schlesinger, who wrote so many fantastic songs for so many different people. This is probably the catchiest one that I've ever heard from him. And I just think it's magnificent piece of work. Um, as I believe Brian mentioned in the other episode, if you're going to have a song that is the feature of a film, you got to be careful that people don't get sick of it by the end of it. And yeah. somehow they pulled that off miraculously. Really, I think it's because they had a, a like a solid at least half dozen different ways of doing it. You had, you know, live ones. You had the slowed down, like original version. There's a number of different manifestations that kept it from grading too much. But mostly I think it's just the quality level that this song has to it. So real big fish into the proclaimers, into the wonders. I'm going to start the people off with some joy on this set list. That was my goal. Okay, that's a good that's a good one. Uh, it did not make my list once again. And now, and Brian, were you wearing the Oneida shirt tonight? No, tonight I am rocking my Soundwave shirt. Okay, because I okay. came with my tape and guns ablazing, my mixtape guns ablazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Brian is a huge fan. Of, uh, I love the movie. Brian's a huge fan of the song and the Oneidas or the Wonders. Sorry, um, truly a great song. But I, I was one of those songs I got tired very quickly because it was over and over and over. Not just in the movie, but in the radio itself. But <laughs> if you popped it on right now, I would probably sing along and enjoy it again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start clapping. It's just gonna be a whole party happening over <laughs> here if that song comes on. <laughs> oh man! Well, I, I said everything I need to say about this song on the '90s soundtrack episode. So why don't you guys that are listening, if you haven't heard that one yet, go back and listen to that one. That's a really fun one as well. And Aaron, you're not alone on your pick because Sam Peebles wrote into us on Twitter with that thing you do as well. Unfortunately, because I talked about the song there, I kind of felt like I had a loophole to not include it here. But now Gomez Green Jello's Three Little Pigs is in danger because that <laughs> that is now going neck and neck with Three Little Pigs as my honorable mention track. So now I'll spend the rest of this episode going back and forth between Three Little Pigs and That Thing You Do while you guys talk about the rest of your top 10 90s rock one hit ones. <laughs> anyway, with that being said, Gomez, you're up to track three. So track three. Uh, it became the number one modern rock track for a week in June of 96. Uh, number two mainstream rock track. It peaked number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100. And was on there for nearly 40 a year at 48 weeks. I went with Dishwalla, Counting Blue Cars. Nice. First of all, it was one of those songs I actually enjoyed. And it was a questionable song, too. <laughs> Very questionable during times that were a lot different. If you talk now, good Lord, there'll be a lot of questioning now. But um, the lead singer, J.R. Richards, wrote the song, uh, Counting Blue Cars, uh, really quickly, and it was a story about a young boy's spiritual journey, which actually made him the kind of the younger boy telling his side. And, you know, and one of the things was like, so what is the idea of a God uh, being? You know, could it be a male? Could it be the female? Why do we always refer God as a male, not a female? So he really got kind of describing the journey of this, but he did receive some threats on the song. Wow. 
because God's deception as a female was not, it was not, that's not what everyone wants to see here. But it was featured in one of my favorite movies, Empire Records. And Brian, 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 I know you got me addicted to this show, How I Met Your Mother. It was the episode, The Stamp Tramp. The Tramp Stamp. The Tramp Stamp, yes. (laughs) But yeah, the Tramp Stamp uh, episode of How I Met Your Mother. So track three, Dishwalla, Counting Blue Cars. Great song. Definitely need a little more respect, but uh, I unfortunately did not get it. We've been playing that since Chris and I started doing duo gigs, probably about 2012. And he sings this one is such a fantastic song. So much fun to play. Honestly, the song didn't make my playlist. And unfortunately, it probably won't even be considered in my honorable mention running because right now I am grappling between the bane of my existence of that (laughs) thing you do and three little pigs. And that is going to be the hell that I'm living with through the end of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, Aaron, did Dishwalla Counting Blue Cars make your list? So uh, two thoughts I have on that one. For one, that is not the, interestingly enough, that is not the only 90s one-hit wonder that ponders the nature of God publicly. No. Which I think is very interesting. I won't mention any other songs just in case it shows up. As Dr. Eva would say, blue, 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 blue. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You guys are are not good on this, this, you know, no spoilers situation here, but that's okay. That's all right. Um, As a Christian, I'm actually, I'm a huge fan of songs that, ponder the nature of god i think the spiritual search is a very important part of existence and so for that reason i do appreciate this track and and what the guy's pondering but that said i didn't love the song itself enough for it to actually make this list it does fit that criteria super well i couldn't tell you a thing about dishwalla aside from this song's existence (laughs) and the album title was it called pet your friends because that's a great album title yes it was that has (laughs) 90s written all over it absolutely big time big time (laughs) All right. Well, moving on, my track three. I'm going back to 1996 for this one. This song reached number 17 on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks charts. Did not make the top 100 again. So this might be another deep dive, but one of the most infectious, probably the second most infectious power pop song of the 90s. (laughs) I'm going with Super Drag, Sucked Out, from their 1996 album, Regretfully Yours. This song is quite simply power pop perfection. I don't think there's anything else I need to say about it. The song just grabs your attention and you cannot help but feel good listening to it. Uh, I like to mention covers when possible. In 2012, Hot Rod Circuit, which is a really cool punk group, covered it for a seven-inch single. Not as fun as the original, but definitely a worthy cover to check out. This is probably going to be too deep for everybody, but I would hope I'd love to be pleasantly surprised on this one. Super drag sucked out track three. A little too deep for me, Brian <laughs> did not make my list. I'm sorry. Okay. Aaron. <laughs> I had it on my, not my short list, but my long list. But as I was going through it, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a specific recollection of how I felt about it. The song when it originally came out, but as I was listening to it this time, I just didn't enjoy it that much. The guy's voice, the raspiness, of of the feeling. Oh, that's what stopped me from covering it ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's I know mean, that's what, you know, one of the trademark parts of that song, but I just as a listener in 2021, I just didn't find it enjoyable. <laughs> and oh. so so uh, yeah, it had to it had to go. It did make the original contenders list, but didn't survive that long because there's some strong contenders. 
All right. All right. Well, Aaron, with that, we're back to you for your track four. All right. Track four. I'm keeping it on the fun stuff, I think. And this one to me is is maybe the deepest cut I have. It's definitely a contender for that. But it's also a quite famous soundtrack song. And so uh, I'm not making my list just to appease you guys. But I know, you know, <laughs> that thing you do, I knew it would hit a note with Brian. And this one, I think, I think is a Gomez track. And that is Dead Eye Dick with New Age Girl, which uh, <laughs> a song made famous for being in the film Dumb and Dumber. Well, you're not going to hear a bad thing about this song for me, because that's another <laughs> one of my picks from the 90s soundtrack episode. <laughs> All right. Cross episode listing going on here. That's that's a little weird. That's illegal. And I will call shenanigans. No, on. He's gonna call Dude, shenanigans. Chris is kicking our ass so bad in this that's episode. Chris. Just be thankful to get us some votes. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. So, here, so here's my thing about this song. For one, it's funny. Uh, and for two, I just the 90s. So after the, you know, the serious grungeness of Nirvana and stuff like that in the early 90s, the mid 90s got real unpretentious and stupid. And I loved that. And so I really wanted to represent bands that don't qualify for this, like Presidents of the United States of America and Cake and oh, so yeah. things like that. And I think this is in that wheelhouse. So it really it was between this and Tripping Daisies, I Got a Girl, which is a very similar song. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I just nudged it in the direction of this one for the Dumb and Dumber <laughs> reference because I couldn't pass on it. And it was it was just it was just too much fun. Yeah. It's a great. So that's why I was cracking up so hard, because I was like, oh my God, really? You're just mooching off Brian's list I, a little. I was really proud of myself because I thought this was one that would slide under the radar. I hadn't heard that part of that episode yet. <laughs> so now I'm a little disappointed. It honestly might not have made it if I would had known it was going to come in that much in line with a previous episode's list. Oh, man. But here we are. We'll we'll see where the rest of this goes. <laughs> oh, God, that was great. Too great. <laughs> All right. All right. Where are we now? On our trick? That would be oh, the no. point where you would say if it made your list too or not. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't make my list. I should have, <laughs> but I'm just cracking up because it was just too funny. I lost place where we were. All oh good. All God. good. Well, unfortunately, Aaron, because I talked about it in the 90s soundtracks episode, <laughs> I again used that basis to not yeah. include it tonight. Man, that's tough. Now, wait a minute, Aaron. I might be able to make you feel a little bit better about this decision, though. <laughs> Gomez, do you mind if I move on to my track four before we do yours? Because I think this will really help Aaron. No, Aaron. no, go ahead. Go ahead. I appreciate that because my track four is Trippin' Daisy's I Got a Girl. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you are right to do that. That is a quality selection. From their 1995 album, I Am an Elastic Firecracker. The song reached number six on the Billboard Modern Rock Charts and number 33 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. I absolutely love this song. And as soon as you said it, I'm like, I got to jump on this because it's just <laughs> it's so perfect. This song is so much fun. It's a Nirvana sound with almost a Weird Al delivery to the yeah. vocals. He's got this this unique southern twang kind of thing going on to his delivery, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and a, a lot of people don't know this, but Trippin' Daisy, while a one-hit wonder as a band, they're still making music, only what the four of the members went off to do, which is the polyphonic spree. They've been doing that since the early 2000s. I had no idea that that was the connection there. That's awesome. Yeah, they're the same band for the four of the guys. So, I mean, I think it's awesome that they're still out doing stuff and being successful with music. But this song was just a perfect snapshot of mid-90s fun. And believe it or not, 
I actually had originally that song and New Age Girl saying, which one of the two do I want to go with? Well, I talked about New Age Girl already. <laughs> so let me let me do Trip and Daisy. So I think it's amazing that you had that because those two songs to me are right there next to each other. Yeah, they are. You, you have to pick one or the other almost in a list as short as this because they cover the same territory in a great way. Yeah, definitely. So with that being said, I assume, Aaron, that this did not make your playlist as well. It didn't. All right, Gomez? Oh, God, no, it didn't. (laughs) Not a fan of this one? Oh, God, no, it was not. I'm not going to lie. Oh, bummer. All right, well, we're back to you now for your track four, man. So my track four. It was released as a single in the UK in the 1990s, peaking at the UK singles chart number three on December 1st, 1990. It was a 32nd best-selling song in the 1990s in the UK and the United States. It hit number one on the Billboard 191. The song was ranked number 31 on VH1's 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders in 2002 and number 98 on VH1's 100 Great Songs in the 90s in 2007. Rolling Stones listed it number 12 on their 20 big songs of the summer of the 1990s in July 2014. And that song is EMF Unbelievable. All right. Truly a great hype-up song. It came off their debut album. I think it was Schubert Dip was the call. I think it was the album, the name of the album. Mm-hmm. And it was just a song about a girl. It was unbelievable. The sense that, you know, she's offering nothing in return. This younger felt like uh, he did nothing wrong with her. So he didn't get any play probably. So there you go. But it's a truly awesome song. It was in two movies in the year 2000. Uh, one of them, one of my favorites uh, with Keanu Reeves, The Replacements in 2000. And it was actually in Coyote Ugly in 2000. I actually had to rewatch the movie to see where it was. And it was during the bar scene, one of the bar scenes, if I quite remember. Yep. Yep. So track four, EMF Unbelievable. Ha. Well, I love the song. <laughs> oh, hold on, Brian. Before I forgot to make a little shout out on our Twitter page. Oh, okay. Cactus Pete put it on the, on our page. Unbelievable EMF. So I got to thank him for that, too. A little shout out to him. Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, I love the song, but in my mind, it's a pop song and not a rock song. So I was holding on to that for if we did 90s one-hit wonders, pop, dance, hip-hop, that would definitely make my list. But I love the tune. So I, in an alternate universe, this makes my list. And what I mean by that is I, I gave serious consideration when preparing this to challenging myself to choose a track from each year in the 90s. Ooh. And had I done so, I think Unbelievable was going to make it. The problem, as Brian mentioned, is that I still couldn't quite sell myself on it as a rock track. And as I mentioned before, those first few years, I did find tracks that would work, but I just ended up liking the stuff I chose for my actual list better than that particular project. So it did not make the cut. Okay. All right. So, Aaron, we're back to you then for track five. All right. So I am finishing off uh, side A. I'm still keeping what I think I would say keeping the energy pretty high. Uh, this is a track, you know, there's not that much to say about it. I, other than I love the wordplay. Um, it has another great 90s album title, Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone? And that is Harvey Danger's Flagpole Sitta. <laughs> love it. That's another one of those like Real Big Fish that when I hear it, I get excited. I'm not changing the channel if that comes on. I love that rhythm that goes throughout the song. And, and I think some of the lines are just, they're so strange, but they... 
his rhymes and his and his wordplay are so he he name drops Rage Against the Machine in the middle of it mm-hmm. and Sublime. Like, come on, it's a fun track. I really appreciate it. That's that's really about all I have to say. Other than for some reason, the line "If you're bored, then you're boring" comes back into my mind frequently. I don't know why that became like a weird little mantra in life, but thanks, Harvey Danger. Appreciate it. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. That's your number five. That's my number six. Hey. Oh. <laughs> is that the first song that any of us have actually had in common yet? Yes. That's the first crossover the whole night. We've Period. done already 12 songs so far, and none of them have even crossed over. This is track 13, and we finally have a crossover. So, finally. yay. All right. I truly love this song. I don't know what to say. The song title was inspired from the 1930 uh, Marx Brothers film Animal Cracker. Huh. We figured that one, uh, which featured a line of dialogue about pole sitting that in the 1920s. So the band was uh, inspired to spell sitter as sitta by the payment song Fame Thrower by M.W.A. Straight out of Compton's uh, album um, was also in two different movies where I think it made its more popular song Disturbing Behavior in 1998 and American Pie in 1999. And no, it was not the pie scene, guys. It was not. (laughs) Um, But it did peak number 38 in the U.S. Billboard's 100 Airplay chart, number three on the Billboard Modern Rock charts. So this song did very well, and it was truly... I wish he came out with a couple more songs, but truly a a hit, one-hit wonder, but a great fun song and that would be my number six awesome yeah and now i'm mad at aaron for not making it his track six because we just lost our again our oh, first bingo Jesus because Christ. gomez that is also my track six oh, so aaron is one track off of giving us our first bingo of the show we still haven't uh, had one yet damn sorry. it side a is, is side a is where the energy happens and side b is is a little bit of a different touch. Oh, that's oh i don't i don't think that's ever gonna happen i hope it does some point but it but look, will happen we're getting close we're getting we're very getting close. close we're really we were close off, here you he went from number five and we're in number six you and i with this one you couldn't get more close this is just missing the lottery here by like one number <laughs> if, if, if this happened I was going to go play the lottery. Let me tell you that. (laughs) So everybody said everything about the song that needs to be said, except Lauren from the Beard Owl podcast would be very, very upset with us if we didn't mention that it was on 1999's Running With Scissors included in his polka power polka. (laughs) So cannot forget mentioning that. Shout out to Lauren at Beard Owl. We love you guys. And I also want to shout out to the Pop Culture Yearbook, as well as Dustin on Twitter, who also chimed in with this song. Perfect track to be the first trifecta of the night. Harvey Danger, Flagpole Sitter. Gomez, we're back to you for track five. So track five, uh, I kind of went, I don't know, say you could say a little loose on the rock. Um, He is a Swedish rock musician. I went with Eagle Eye Cherry, Save Tonight. Well, it was something different. Something about this song I always did enjoy. I did really like this song a lot um, when I first heard it, when it came on. It, it just had this like rock jazzy sound to it, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Truly great song. I think he sings it really well. It did uh, win the Swedish uh, Song of the Year in 1997. It was rewarded the Born Award. Uh, sorry, Swedish people, if I'm messing that up, I do apologize. I am Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but he is originally from Sweden, too. So it was just one of those fun songs I, I did enjoy, and I did like it a lot. So I, I had to incorporate it in my list. So Eagle Eye Cherry, Save Tonight. 
it's a great song. Um, didn't really sit on my radar with this because I had so many songs that I'm like, oh my God, I have to include it. And it kind of got bumped down the list, but not because it's not a great song, just because I had ones that I felt I had to include. And this one is one I always enjoy listening to, but I didn't feel like I had to include it. But it's a great pick. Thank you. Aaron? I'm going to go with pretty much the same rationale Brian had. I will say that I appreciate, Gomez, you including this one on account of it touching on that sweet spot of that sort of singer-songwriter kind of mm-hmm. college rock that that had a, a, a good moment for a couple of years there. I personally haven't included any of that to my list to this point, and so I'm glad to see it show up, even though I didn't select it. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I am going back from my track five to 1990. So I know already Aaron's out on this one. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> I already used I already used EMF in, the, in yeah, my there imagination. You go. Yeah. Now, this is where it's kind of a gray area song, even for me, because to me, this song was put out by a pop artist. But make no mistake about it. This is a rock song. It reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100s, so it's a number one song, and number one on the album Rock Tracks chart. So for Billboard, the song was listed as rock, but this song could also be listed as blues, and this song could also be listed as country. From her 1990 self-titled album, Alana Miles, Black Velvet. Oh, okay. Shout out to the F My Work Life podcast who also (laughs) picked this one. I didn't want to respond with celebration and cheer because I wanted to keep this one in my back pocket. I don't know if either of you guys remember in the malls back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was something called the Personics cassette that you could buy at record stores. Do you remember those? Yes, I do. Yeah. You'd have a book that you look through and you'd pick songs and you'd pay a certain amount per song and you'd make your own mixtape. So you were able to get songs that were on other albums all at once. This is way before digital CDs and everything were the mainstream. So this was a way to get a bunch of good songs. The first tape I ever made, Black Velvet was the free single of the month. So I threw it on at the end of the tape and I ended up wearing that part of the tape out because I literally fell in love with the song the first time I heard it. And it's it's still one of my favorite songs of all time. Her voice is just sultry and beautiful and the song's got might to it. It's just a perfect rock song done by a pop artist. But as far as Billboard's concerned, it's a rock track. Track five, Alana Miles, Black Velvet. Man, that is a good one. It did not make my list because I had not thought of it. But now that you mention it, now I'm tempted to go back and, and make another list that does that year to year thing. And I think this <laughs> would this would have to take the spot. That's that's a winner of a track. And I definitely think it qualifies as rock on on any you can call it country rock or whatever you want to but uh, it's definitely enough of an overlap that i'm willing to go for it all right gomez well brian it did make my number 10 oh you close you i close side one with it you close side two. i like it i like it so i closed out with this song truly an awesome song her voice for this song was perfect and the way she sings it is unreal that's one thing two It was written by Canadian songwriter Christopher Ward and David Tyson. And for people who don't realize that Alana Miles is a Canadian song singer songwriter. So we had a Canadian blitz over here, guys. She wasn't from Nashville. She wasn't from Texas. 
She wasn't from the Bible Belt. She was from Canada. Almost foreshadowing the future in the 90s with the very popular Shania Twain. I totally get it. She did win in 1991 a Grammy for Best Female Rock Performance uh, with this and won the 1990 Juno Award for the Single of the Year. It was sung on the TV show The Masked Singer three or four times already with uh, Nick Cannon. And truly awesome song, Brian. I had to close with this song just because of the beat to it, the bass line, everything. It was just a great way to end it. And everyone's singing it because they know the lyrics to this song, too. Yeah, I could I could see the crowd doing it. You know what I mean? So this is my number 10, Alana Miles, Black Velvet. This is one of those songs that makes me wonder how in the living hell does she not have a follow up to this? The song I is have so no good. There is no universe that she shouldn't. I absolutely love the pick. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank All you. right. Well, this is the point where if this was a cassette tape, we would flip it over, use the pencil to tighten up the tape. I posted an meme about that. And apparently some people said it was uh, a little improper on the social. So I apologize <laughs> if that was offensive, but gave me a good chuckle. Anyway, Gomez and I both have Harvey Danger as our track six. And Aaron used it as a track five. So now I want to know what song killed our bingo. Damn it. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, there is still some continuity here. So my my side B here, I kept going with the ladies. That's a, so it's not Alana, but but it's in there. And I got to make some of the same arguments. I don't know how this woman didn't have a follow up. And I thought that her vocal performance was fantastic in this track for very different reasons. And somehow Alanis Morissette just really uh, took all the thunder, I think, from this style of songwriting. My track is by Tracy Bonham from The Burdens of Being Upright, Mother Mother, which I think is just a fantastic piece of raw uh, rebellion of a song right there. It's 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 a woman writing a note to her mom, just telling her exactly how well life on her own is going for her. And... To this day, when that that song breaks out, to me, with like a Nirvana level intensity, it goes from that, you know, kind of acoustic guitar strumming open and then into the chorus where she just screams, everything's fine and you completely don't believe it. I just love the song. You talk about 90s angst. That song just screams it. I love the song. I want to send a shout out to Jeff Frankly on Twitter, who also chimed in with this one. This was really really close to making my list. I absolutely, the, the album is actually fantastic. I'm shocked. I believe there was it. two or three songs on that album that should have been singles and should have charted. I love the song. I love the pick. Unfortunately did not make my playlist though. Truly great song. I did not pick this. Unfortunately did not make my list though. Can I throw in one more little bit of trivia here that I think is kind of interesting about this track? Oh, Please, by all ahead. means, uh, this track actually topped at the time, what was called the modern rock charts, which was changed over to being called alternative airplay. It topped that. And it was the last song by a female artist to do that. Keep in mind, this is 96. It came out until 2013 when Lord put out Royals and became the next one to do it. So the ladies were not getting as much respect here in the nineties. So I feel it's extra important to include Tracy in here. It's a great pick. Well, Unfortunately, it did not make either of ours. So with that being said, because ours was Harvey Danger, we are back to you, Aaron, again for track seven. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So my track seven is a band that has actually had quite a bit of staying power. 
and to this day, or at least to last year, uh, still releases very good albums. But much like I would say Blur is a good comparison, they're most known for a loud, grungy track that they put out at the very beginning of their career. And they never had another single that charted beyond that, despite being a band that's carved out a lot of indie respect. And that is Not A Surf and the track Popular, which I adored in the 90s and still do today. It's, again, I mentioned liking those kind of weird ones. This track is mostly a guy ranting and raving and allegedly, I believe, reading an old textbook of some sort about tips on on how to, you know, survive the social jungle of of high school. And, you know, rules about dating, about hygiene, all kinds of stuff. And it's just strange, but in the best way. And I'm just a sucker for some distortion and some grungy sounds. So, uh, you know, Not A Surf, like I said, went on to a lot of, of other, make a lot of other good music, as well as a fantastic Depeche Mode cover later in their career. But Popular was my introduction and a fantastic track that I'm proud to have on this list. Uh, great pick. It did not make my list, but I'm also going to give a little shout out on Twitter again. Popular Not A Surf was actually suggested by The Handsome Randall. Unfortunately, did not make my list, but I'm going to give him a little shout out for that one. Handsome Randall has good taste. It's a great song to me. Not a surf. I can't picture them being a one hit wonder. I understand that they are. Right. But they're just a fantastic band all around. Absolutely. And uh, one of our friends at Records Revisited has had Ida on one of the from the band on his show plenty of times. And he did uh, an episode based on the Cars self-titled album, which obviously everyone knows is my favorite album of all time. It's a great episode of Records Revisited to check out. But I didn't even have that on my radar as a one hit (laughs) wonder based on the fact that they're like to me. Someone mentioned on Twitter about Bad Religion being a one-hit wonder, and I'm like, that, that, that that's just that's preposterous. That's insane. Just that's like Real Big Fish in my mind, like it just it shouldn't be. Right. So unfortunately, it didn't make my list either. But I love the song. I love the band. So same. I give them a lot of credit. I think that I feel like adding them in there is it's still it's not cheating. Again, I'm it's by it's the definition that I came up with. It's it fits perfectly. Oh, but definitely, yeah, by all means. I love having a few bands in here going back to Real Big Fish that are still active that have put out quality stuff in, you know, plenty of quality stuff since that initial hit. And so, not a surf. Like if I were going to go see a show out of all these artists on here, they would be very high on the list. Awesome. Gomez, we are back to you now for track 7. So, track 7. I went with another Canadian band. Oh, boy. <laughs> Crash Test Dummies. First of all, you can't go wrong with a name like that. Well, actually, you can, but in it reality, might have, it, but... it might have. But <laughs> they did come out with that awesome one-hit wonder. It's one of those songs that was catchy. It was rocky. But also, the guy's voice was so awesome for this song. The lead singer uh, does – I forgot his name already because I – Forgot to put his name in there. It's actually about the story about himself. It also made the top five of the UK singles. And on the Billboard 100, I think it was uh, number 14. Great song, Crash Test Dummies. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> What's great Don't about try that, to sing it. <laughs> yeah. What's great I about won't. that track is that depending on how you, you what inflection you put on it, those those M's could mean many different things. <laughs> it can, but it, it sure wasn't the Campbell Soup's ideal either. 
And Jump the Shark podcast actually mentioned that song as well, which shout out to them. Uh, Look, obviously, got to shout out Lauren from Beard Al. Headline news, the only Weird Al cover where he actually didn't parody a lyric in the song and he just went with the mm-mm-mm-mms as well because yes. how are you going to parody that given the song? But headline news was very funny. I love the track. Unfortunately, did not make my list, but it is a great pick. Did not make mine either. I want to I want to pull you guys real quick and give a shout out. So one of the issues, friend podcasts, is a show called Patio Slave. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. I know you guys are familiar. And they've done a bit before with a, what they'll call a bandicap. Uh, wherein a band's name is a handicap, a hindrance to their popularity. And so I want to ask you guys, Crash Test Dummies, great band name or not great band name? I'm going to land on great. I kind of like it. I love it. I think it's a great name. I think it's a great name. You know know exactly what you're getting. It's a 90s (laughs) group like that. I mean, seriously, the name couldn't. It screams 90s. And the guy's voice was unreal. That's true. He, he, He had some register right there. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah he did i mean he had some death in his songs all right well moving on to my track seven i'm gonna go back to 1995 the year i graduated high school this Aww. song the first time i heard it i was instantly hypnotized by it it reached number one on the u.s mainstream rock charts and number 32 on the u.s billboard 100 and I literally have two words as my notes, that baseline. And it's from the 1995 album, Resident Alien, Space Hogs in the Meantime. Oh, uh, yeah, that good one. opening baseline is probably the best baseline in the 90s. It is just all over the map. It's jazzy. It's funky. And it's going over this kind of a rock beat with the soaring chorus. This song is just perfection. and. Another shout out to Records Revisited because they also chimed in with this one. And uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So my track seven, Space Hogs, in the meantime. Oh, that's a solid one right there. It didn't make (sighs) my list, but it's real solid. And this one I'm going to have to go back and listen to again after this just because you just sold me on that baseline again. It didn't make my list. It was one of those, oh, God, where could I put it? But it did not make my list, unfortunately. All right. Well, Iron, we're back to you for track eight. Track eight. All right. This one, I think, is is to me, it's one of those definitive 90s one hit wonders. It's a, of all the songs on my entire playlist. This is probably the one that I still to this day hear the most on rock radio. Uh, and that is Blind Melon with No Rain. Blind Melon tragically only got to create a couple of albums before the passing of their singer Shannon Hoon. And again, that song remains massive. It reached number 20 on the Hot 100 in its time. Uh, the band eventually did sort of reform and had a different singer and they put out one album, but they're always going to be known for for this one. And No Rain is just such a melancholy gem of a track. You know, there's this, this guy reading and and just kind of sitting and singing his life away. And so I thought that it was a good fit to put near the end of my list. So there we have that. Also very simple and fun to play. I agree with that part because my (laughs) old punk band used to cover it. My current band has this mixed in the set list. I absolutely love the track, but like not a surf and real big fish screw you. I refuse to admit that they're a one hit wonder. I immediately think the tones of home. I think of 
the, the entire soup album. Like there's no way they were a one hit wonder. There's just no way I'm not allowing myself to even look the information up to prove it to be real. I'm just going to live the rest of my life in denial about this one. <laughs> yeah. So no rain was a number one track on the uh, mainstream rock and the alternative and number 20 on the hot 100 overall. You're right. Tones of home. Uh, they had a track called galaxy. Those both yep. did chart on on the mainstream and the alternative, but but no rain was just a mammoth comparatively. Oh, it's I, I, honestly, it's the one song that most people will say. Oh, they do that no rain song. I totally yeah. get it, and I'm not I'm not crapping on that in any way, shape, or form. But in my universe, when I saw it start to pop up on lists. And I, I mean, look, uh, it hurts a little. F, yeah. F my work life. Uh, the podcast also chimed in with this one as well. Yes, I mean, they did. when I saw that, I'm like, there's just no way I understand that they are, but I'm in denial. That's and that's right. something I I need to work that out in therapy. But <laughs> I, I'm you in denial. That I, I do. I really do. And, <laughs> and I to refuse to admit for? it. Well, <laughs> I refuse to admit that they're a one hit wonder, but I love the song and love the pick Gomez. Uh, it, it is a true good song, but it did make my list, unfortunately. All right. Well, again, we are just, there are so many songs in this episode. I can't believe the, this has got to be by far the most vast episode we've ever had on Playlist Wars with not even crossovers. There's only been one crossover and yeah. one trifecta through yeah. all of it. I'm shocked right now. I really thought there would be a few that we would all agree on. So, Wow. wow. It's amazing what you can do when you really pick, when you listen to all the music to these days. All Man. the music. Yeah. All <laughs> right, Gomez, what do you got for track eight? So track eight, I went with Toadies, Possum Kingdom. Mm. First of all, it has this really great sound to it. Um, but also there's more to this song, not knowing that Possum Kingdom is a lake in Texas near Dallas and Fort Worth area where the band's really from. For some reason, there is no mentioning of this. It's a creepy story about a spooky walk around the lake supposedly it has a really cool name there's a section of the the lake hell's gates you know it has a little you know little weird eerie thing to it it did crack the u.s top 40 nicking the charts at number 40 with the song in 1995 it was factored in the charts in the billboard charts in 1991 it has a great guitar riff and matter of fact I remember playing it on Guitar Hero 2 yep. tremendously, Yep. Uh, this song. It was probably the first song I truly was going crazy. I was going to say ape shit, but crazy <laughs> uh, during that time when this song came out. Uh, you know, I, I remember singing the lyrics to it and pretending I was that huge rock star, but I really am not because I can't play guitar for my life. But I enjoyed the song a lot, and thank God for Guitar Hero 2 to let guys like me play, pretend that I was a rock star. So, Toadies, Possum Kingdom. Also, I want to give a shout out to two people, Chael and Pop Culture Yearbook, for putting in Possum King Toadies on this one, too. Now, when you're talking about saying that you have no musical talent, believe it or not, when I played this song with my old cover band back in the mid-2000s, for the first 30 seconds to a minute of the song, all I'm doing is hitting the open E and the open A. I was able to have my drink and play my bass at the same time. So, I think anybody could play that opening, but it does get more fun and the song kind of goes all over the place. I love the track. And once again, my music nerdum doesn't allow me to, to accept toadies as a one hit wonder band because they have other songs on that album that didn't make much of a splash. 
Like New York radio didn't play it. I know that as a fact, no. but having heard Rubberneck so many times, I just can't picture that being a one hit wonder band. Yeah, I love the song. I absolutely love it. It would make my it would probably make my top 10 favorite 90s tracks. Hmm. I just didn't put it on as a one hit wonder because I have a hard time viewing them as one. And that's a personal thing. It's not like it's not even done on facts. It's just my own opinion. No, and I and you're right. There's a I mean, we mentioned a couple other bands earlier during our show that's the same thing. Like Real Big Fish is one of them. Yeah. To me, Real Big Fish was not a one-hit wonder either. But they had so much great songs though. They did. Which do. I, I still you still do. But I was I, I can't say that they're a one-hit wonder either, but in the eyes of these record people, which we truly love, they think they are. And I, I get it, but I don't. But as a fan, I think they are truly an awesome band. And same thing with Toadies. They're great. I mean, I'm not even going to. I got nothing bad to say about no. this one. Aaron, did it make yours? <laughs> it didn't. And it, it was in there for a minute as a contender. A couple notes on that. The main thing working against it really is the fact that it is kind of a creepy song and it uh, it makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes to listen to it and then also kind of touching on on what you guys were just talking about this is the one on there that it's hard for me to think of as a one-hit wonder not because this wasn't easily their biggest hit but because on the itch again before we were a podcast we were a radio show and we still to this day regularly played multiple tracks from rubberneck and so they didn't never felt like Possum Kingdom was all they had. We played Tyler pretty frequently. And I want to give a note here. Songs that should have been singles in the 90s. The Toadies, I Come From the Water. Mm. It doesn't. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. They had five singles from this, and that was not one of them. And I think that song is all kinds of catchy and would have been a total hit in that time period. But so maybe they were maybe they could have had the second hit that that just never really was. That's a bummer, really, really it bummer. It is. All right. Well, I'm going to go to 1998 for my track eight. Now, earlier I mentioned that Super Drag Sucked Out was probably my second favorite piece of power pop from the 90s. This track, which reached number 36 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, number eight on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart, is my favorite piece of power pop shout out to lance levine who also chimed in with this one from the 1998 album maybe you've been brainwashed too mm. new radicals you get yes. what you give yes. this song sums up all of 90s pop rock in one statement it's got the quirkiness it's got the soaring vocals it's got a just an insanely catchy melody and because I like to mention covers, Gomez, eight days after we launched Playlist Wars, Pomplamoose released a YouTube cover of this track. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's more ballady, but it, it actually works. And this song is just so fantastic. Uh, it, it's just a perfect piece of power pop. And that is my track eight. New Radicals, you get what you give. Uh, truly a good song. Uh, did not make my list. It teetered back and forth a little bit, but I, I just couldn't do it. Aaron? <laughs> For one note, uh, Pomplamoose, any cover that they do is at least worth a listen. I, w I just want to mm -hmm. put that out there into the into the ether. Uh, as for this track, it was a close one for me. It, if I had done the year by year, it 100% was my 1998. I have personal memories of rehabbing knee surgery 
in high school oh, been, with this song playing at the rehab center. And, and and I'm just amazed that this Greg Alexander, the the kind of leader of this group, which mostly was two people anyway, New Radicals only made one album. Yeah. And it was a good album. And like you mentioned, some quality power pop in there. It was it had some social critique involved in all of it, which is kind of a nice touch when you have a sound like they did. I thought they were fascinating artists and he's still around doing stuff but just not as the new radicals they were one of those bands that i just never understood why they didn't do more also wasn't he known for that like bucket hat thing yes he was that was his whole stick i remember the bucket hat guy that was him yeah (laughs) now wasn't that video in a mall too if i remember correctly the music video yeah it was it was cool because of course it's all 90s where did you go on a friday night when you had your license Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well, Aaron, we have two tracks left and we are up to track nine. Still not many crossovers or trifectas at all. Let's see if we've got anything that we could deliver for the last two here. All right. So my number nine here is a, a track by someone who is far more famous than this band. And this band actually existed very briefly in sort of what we'll call an intermission between his main band. Um, When Perry Farrell of Jane's Addiction, when they broke up in 92, formed a band called Porno for Pyros. And they had a song called Pets. And I thought Pets is a gem. It's this very relaxing, simple, rhythmic track that is essentially just about how humanity's done a crappy job. And this idea that when a more intelligent and evolved species shows up uh, on Earth, we'll we'll be great pets for them because that's about what we're qualified for. And I just I think it's humorous and maybe not entirely untrue. I don't know. But uh, it's just it's a winner. I like that as much as any Jane's Addiction song. And there's a part of me that wishes that these guys lasted longer as a band as well. Truly an awesome song. I do love that pick. Um, unfortunately, did not make my list, but it's that chill song, the way he sings it. Oh, yeah. Would make great pets. Just hearing that, the way he does it, chill, it's just awesome. You know, I, I need, I do need to say one thing. I shouldn't, shouldn't say I like it as much as any Jane's Addiction song, because I think Ben Caught Stealing is a hilarious track. Oh, and it's also great. a hilarious video. <laughs> and a hilarious video. I mean, you gotta, it's a song about, you know, pickpocketing it. Well, about shoplifting, sorry. Yes, and and he pretends to be a pregnant woman. (laughs) So we're going to put it on par. Those two are a tie for my favorite Perry Farrell track. It's a great song. It's to me, it's one of those ones. This didn't even pop up on my radar. Mm -hmm. Again, I think Jane's Addiction. I this is a side project, but because of Perry Farrell, I kind of it has nothing to do with it. This is if Jane's Addiction and Stone Temple Pilots had a baby. That this song to me oh i hope <laughs> I, I don't know for sure but i mean when jane's addiction is doing stuff because they do stuff every once in a while i yeah, hope they that they play pets and and incorporate that into their set list if when they do live shows i don't know for uh, sure that they do but i sure hope so i i would love to hear it it's a great song did it did not even come on my radar did not make my list but i love the pick so gomez you're about to close out now with your track nine what do you got so track nine he drinks a whiskey drink. He yeah. drinks a, a vodka drink. He drinks a lager drink. He drinks a cider drink. Come on. I'm surprised no one has mentioned this song yet. The true one-hit wonder, Chumba Wamba, Dub Thumping. Yeah. Truly a fun song. It is definitely a good song of drinking on the night away and pissing the night away. Tub Thumper is a politician 
in the UK, in England, and not in America, which is getting on the stomp, which is campaigning, I guess. That's the US equivalent. Truly fun song. It also, oh God, where is my notes here? Now I lost <laughs> that, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Because it was just a fun song. It did reach number six in the US Billboard 100. Uh, U.S. Modern Charts in the Top 40. It won the 1998 Brit Award for Best British Single. Also, it was in another fun movie, American Reunion, in 2012. Truly fun song. You know, you hear it at a bar. You're going to sing it. Everybody will sing it, especially when they're pissed or drunk. Um, It's a fun song. I truly love it. I'm surprised no one has said it yet. But track nine, Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping. All some of the playlisters agree with you, Gomez, because Robert Morris and the Pedestrian at Best podcast chimed in with that one as well. It's a great song. We mash it up with What I Got by Sublime. We've been doing it for years. It always puts a smile on people's faces. Unfortunately, did not make my list, but it's certainly not for a lack of love for that song. That's in my top 15 for sure. Hands down. I love the track. It just did not make the top 10 for me. Okay. Aaron? Same. Um, at first, I kind of had a hard time sliding that one in there as a rock track. I think the more I think about it, I'll, I would give it. And it definitely charted and on the U.S. modern rock. And so by my own criteria, I would have to consider it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, it there was so much strong uh, music to choose from here that I just I couldn't with it. Although it is one of the most memorable tracks on this list. I will definitely give you that. Thank definitely. You. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Now, Gomez, you were talking about Chumbawamba being in the American, which which one was it? American Wedding Soundtrack? Uh, American Reunion. American so, uh, Reunion. Okay. Sticking with the theme of the movie, the next song I'm picking was covered in the 2003 American Wedding movie soundtrack. But the original is the one hit wonder that I'm going for from their 1993 album of the same name. I'm going with James laid oh god yes the song reached number 61 on the billboard hot 100 and number three on the billboard u.s alternative airplay charts this song quite simply is 90s perfection in 2003 like i said matt nathanson covered it as the main theme to american wedding and then in 2005 better than ezra covered it for their greatest hits compilation the song I think every cover band on the face of the planet plays it. And there's a reason people, it just immediately puts a smile on people's faces and they're there, they're in. And it's just one of my favorite songs to play. And it's just, yeah, definitely one of my favorite songs of the nineties. James laid Gomez. I know it didn't make your list, but if you want to say anything about it, I'll tell you, it's a great pick, truly great song. I think it was more than just in the American wedding movie. I think it was in part two, too. So if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've seen the movies. All right, Aaron, did it make your list? It did not. This is actually another one that I'm not very familiar with. Um, oh, okay. Here, here's one that'll blow your mind. I haven't actually seen the American Pie movies. And oh, I, oh, my God. And it's not okay. because I'm too young for them. I just never saw them. Okay. After this show, you're going to go and you're going to write a synopsis on all four of all the movies and we will give you a grade and we will tell the world. Now I'm looking at it's a great you have to watch the series. It was actually pretty funny. Oh wow. All right. Well then I guess that's not even a role for your honorable mention, but we still got track 10 here. Here and I'm going to say it again. One crossover, one trifecta, and that is unless Aaron and I match up on track 10, 
That's all there is tonight. This has been the most songs we've talked about in one episode of Playlist Wars since the launch. There's damn near 27 songs between the three of us. Absolutely insane. But Aaron, what's your track 10? You know what's fantastic is that I'm pretty sure we could do an entire another 10 and still barely have crossover. I, oh, by far. I, I, I bet you we still wouldn't have more than more than three or four tops that had multiple people selected. That's my call. So my number 10, I had to go back to the UK for this one. And it's one by a band that had a lot of success in the UK, but only one entirely defining track in the US and been for my money outside of Oasis, it's probably the defining Brit pop song of the 90s. And that is The Verve with Bittersweet Symphony. You gotta, if you're gonna include this one on your list, you gotta close the playlist with it. it I mean, it, it to me plays as a closer, musically and lyrically. And so that's that's what I did. I'm quite surprised that this didn't show up somewhere else in anybody's list, you know, barring the pick that Brian hasn't announced yet. But I mean, that sample in that track that they, you know, ended up having to pay about 20 years of royalties to the Rolling Stones for um, (laughs) is just so memorable and so beautiful. And this band was weird to me because they came out at the exact same time as another band called the Verve Pipe. And I'm like, what kind of word is Verve that two bands are including it in their names at the same time? It's not even a word I've ever heard anybody use before. So that was bizarre. But I worked a- in a record shop at that time in my life. And my God, do you have the verve? Yes. Do you have the verve pipe? Yes. And then sometimes, do you have the verve pipe? No. Do you have the verve? Yes. Which one are you looking for? I don't know. It's They sing that <laughs> one song. And I'm like, they both yeah, have that one right. song. <laughs> which which of note, for one thing, uh, I mean, un- until quite recently, probably, I still forgot which one did which. And, uh, <laughs> and then other note, you know, shout out to the Verb Pipes track, which is a, another strong contender for these lists. But I had to go with the Bittersweet Symphony. And, you know, it's another one of those that got fame in a soundtrack with Cruel Intentions as well. But for me, it was just that swinging sample going on in there is, is just too pretty to ignore as we close it off after No Rain and Pets with getting a little bit thoughtful and introspective towards the end of this list. Well. The Sunday Night Army, shout out to them, agrees with you because they wrote in on Twitter with that one. Unfortunately, that is not my track 10. And I'll tell you why. Limp Biscuit covered this song. And after I heard that version, no. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I wanted to close a different way, but this is a great song. I, I do love the pick. Uh, I, I love the way they incorporated it in Cruel Intentions, which is actually a movie I saw. Shock, shock. Um, but it, it is definitely a great song. And Do you remember what part of the movie was that? Uh, towards the end. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So just making sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that much. Gomez is always um, there with the soundtrack check. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Soundtrack check. Hashtag soundtrack check. There you go. <laughs> no, I got to say that right. Hashtag soundtrack check. Yeah. Say that five times fast. <laughs> All right. So, Gomez, I obviously didn't make yours. Did you want to chime in on it? Uh, no, it was actually, it was one of those songs that I would say it was, it would have been an honorable mention if I did a top 20, truly good song. I do like it. Unfortunately, it did not make my list though. Well, you guys both ended on like, I don't want to say melancholy because that's not the case, but you guys kind of went on the slower end of the spectrum yeah. with songs. Yeah. I closed with one that I wanted to tear the roof off kind of the way Aaron 
started Start. his playlist with Sell Out. Ooh, okay. I wanted the fun song that set the party off, and I wanted it to be the latest song of the 90s. And I'm going to 1999 for this one. A slight caveat with this pick for me, though, as this band had two songs from the same album appear on the modern rock tracks on Billboard, but never in the Hot 100. So this time I use the Hot 100 as the deciding factor, just because when people think of the band, they automatically go to this song. This reached number one on the Billboard Alternative Airplay charts and number 51 on the Hot 100. Shout out to F My Work Life one more time for also choosing this song from 1999's A Place in the Sun. I'm closing with Lit, My Own Worst Enemy. Woo. This song gets you jumping. As soon as that riff starts, everybody is pogoing to this damn riff. <laughs> That's why cover bands play it all the time. Gomez, our friend Rob Felicetti from Bowling for Soup. Yep. Even covered the track with his band Patent Pending on the Spring Break 99 EP. This yes, song, there's nothing I need to say about this song because everybody knows it. If you ask somebody, name a lit song, they're going to say My Own Worst Enemy. And there's a reason for that. It eclipses anything else they ever did. They're a fantastic band, though. I absolutely love them. Unlike a lot of the other groups on my list, I genuinely love the song and I really don't go much deeper. Lit, I do go much deeper, but I could not not include this one. So that is my track 10. Awesome pick, Brian. I will say that. Um, I Unfortunately, this song is a, reminds me of a little bit of a downer, unfortunately, because on September 11th, um, we were supposed to go see them live. At the Burchill, yeah. Yes. And that, for me, I, I love Lit. It's a great pick, but that song will always be like a little bit of a downer for me because of what happened. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, we I try were... not to think about that part of it and just how much the song sticks. No, with me. I know. But that's in that song sticks with me hardcore because that was a true song for them. And one of their one of their more popular ones. But I still I they had so many more like other bands that we talked about tonight. Another band that had a lot, a lot more great songs that should have been hits, too. But unfortunately, they, they didn't catch on. Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed. Aaron. Man, that's a tough one for me. See, this this was one where my own worst enemy is is a shoe in. Like if if you're just going for a band's most popular song, and technically by my own standards, it does qualify because it was their only uh, Billboard Hot 100. But they had seven or eight tracks between A Place in the Sun and Atomic that were rock radio hits of various degrees, and so to mm -hmm. me that was enough to eliminate them. Yeah, this is definitely one of those ones where I have a feeling people are going to call me out on it. And, you know, I'm OK with it because I totally get that there are other songs that people are familiar with with them. I'm thinking like Miserable, for example. Yeah, that music music video was huge. It had Pamela Anderson in it, which in the year 2000 God. was a big deal. So to me, I had to disqualify them as a one hit wonder. But if again, the criteria is a little subjective. If you count them, then it's that's a shoe in and and I it almost certainly would have made my top 10. So that's like a flip-flop of my uh, Real Big Fish diatribe at the beginning of the episode. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and my owner's enemy would have almost certainly shown up near the top of my list because it would have been another one of those, like you mentioned. This is a, a crowd-pleaser, very energetic, a riff that is incredibly memorable. And so I just, I just couldn't put them in that in that exact category, but it's, it's, it is obviously their, their most lasting track. And, and again, going back to like No Rain, 
probably would be one of the most still played tracks on this from any of our lists on modern radio oh yeah so now we finally reach the time that we are inserting the new rule or the new twist into playlist wars so i'm excited about this one and aaron as our esteemed guest you get to pick your honorable mention song this is something that was on either my list or gomez's list but not on yours so what is your honorable mention song of the night Man, I've been going back and forth this entire conversation. And originally I was like, Three Little Pigs has to have this. It's just too much fun. But then a couple others popped up and I realized, you know, I don't really have, you know, 90, 91 covered. I don't really have 98, 99 covered. I need something to bookend one of these. And so I have to go with the one I'm is most personally memorable. For as great as Black Velvet is, I'm going to go with the new Radicals as my honorable mention, because you get what you give. It's just, I have too much of a personal tie and memory to that song to let it slide. So there you go. All right. Gomez. Oh man. I don't know. Uh, honorable mentions for me. It's, it's hard. I would have to go with bittersweet symphony with by the nerve, uh, the verb on that one. Okay. But no one picked the damn one. I wanted. What was the one you wanted? Life is a highway by Tom Cochran. Chael had mentioned that one as as well. Yeah. So and, and that was my number eleven though. It was so hard not to put it on my list. <laughs> you know, I that one I considered for a minute again going back to the timeline one, because that would have covered the early nineties. But right. I know the song from Cars too much and I hate it. <laughs> and so <laughs> See, that's why I wasn't gonna refer to um oh my god, who sang that song? Oh, oh Rascal Flats. Rascal Flats. Rascal Flats. Yeah. Yes, I get it. Everyone knows the Rascal Flat, but that's why I didn't want to go with that version. I wanted to go with Tom Cochran yeah, yeah. on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But they I was, soured me on that track, and so I couldn't I couldn't do it. I get you. I get you. <laughs> but I would have to go with the verb pipe, though, on that one. Uh, the verb verb pipe, Jesus Christ. The verb. The verb. <laughs> yeah. Better Sweet Symphony. Uh, All right. And my honorable mention. Hold on a minute. I got a coin in my hand. Flip. <laughs> and... The wonders that thing you do. Yeah. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I had to flip the coin between that and three little pigs. I literally, <laughs> I had to do it. I want to just take a second before we close out to shout out the way you said this before, Aaron, that a lot of people, there's a lot of songs we could do this again and have all new songs. Just to give you an idea, F and culture chimed in with, are you Jimmy Ray by Jimmy oh, Ray? God, really? Black water by the meat puppets. <laughs> Do Right by Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Yes. F My Work Life <laughs> chimed in with Bitch by Meredith Brooks. Lance Levine chimed in with Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. High Rule Podcasters chimed in with Brimful of Asha by Corner Shop. Unchecked Baggage Podcast chimed in with Closing Time by Semisonic. Jimmy D chimed in with Connected by Stereo MCs. Cactus Pete chimed in with Everything Falls Apart by Dog's Eye View. Tim McKay chimed in with Got You Where I Want You by The Flies. Oh, that would have been a nice one. Mary chimed in with Letters to Cleo, Here and Now. Fat Dave chimed in with OMC's How's Bazaar. Jeff Scoble chimed in with Chesney Hawk's The One and Only. GPTH3 chimed in with Sponge's Plowed. David Owens chimed in with Right Here, Right Now by Jesus Jones. Greg Platt chimed in with Scooby Snacks, Fun Loving Criminals. <laughs> Jason, our friend at the Made You a Mixtape podcast, chimed in with The Way by Fastball. Mary, as well as F My Work Life, chimed in with What's Up by Four Non Blondes. 
Robert Morris chimed in with Zoot Suit Riot by the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Solid. And finally, Casey chimed in with White Town's Your Woman. So, gentlemen, we only had one crossover and one trifecta, and I just listed another two dozen songs that could have very easily made my playlist in one way, shape, or form. I don't know about you guys. Yep. Oh, God, yes. I could have had three playlists done today. I'm super happy that somebody name-dropped White Town. I don't think it's a rock song per se, and that's why it didn't make my list, but I just really I, I wanted that, someone to talk about it. That was actually would have been a list for me if I did 90s uh, pop or maybe dance. I would go 90s pop on that Remember one. that. Include it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right, so now we're at the point of the show, being we've reached feature film length here at Playlist Wars. Aaron, <laughs> why don't you run down your track list, track one through ten, and then drop your honorable mention. All right, tracks one through ten. We started this off with Real Big Fish, Sell Out. Then The Proclaimers, I'm Gonna Be, 500 Miles. The Wonders with That Thing You Do. Dead Eye Dicks, New Age Girl. Harvey Danger's Flagpole, Sitta. Tracy Bonham with Mother Mother. Not a Surf with Popular. Blind Melon's No Rain. Porno for Pyro's Pets. And Close with the Verbs, Bittersweet Symphony. With an honorable mention to the new Radicals, You Get What You Give. Gomez? Track one, Urge Overkill, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. Track two, Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly or Jello, or depending on how you say it. Jello. Uh, Jello. Uh, number three, Dishwalla Counting Blue Cars. Number four, EMF Unbelievable. Number five, Eagle Eye Cherry Save Tonight. Number six, Harvey Danger Flagpole Sitta. Ah, one of my favorites. Number seven, Crash Test Dummies with mm, Yeah. Uh, that was all I will say. Uh, number eight, Toadies, Possum Kingdom. Number nine, Chumba Wumba, Tub Thumping. And last but not least, number 10, Alana Miles, Black Velvet. Oh, and my honorable mention was Bittersweet Symphony by The Verb. Awesome. And my track list kicked off with The Breeders' Cannonball. Track two was Dada, Disneyland. Track three was Super Drag, Sucked Out. Track four was Trippin' Daisy, I Got a Girl. Track five was Alana Miles, Black Velvet. Track six, Harvey Danger, Flagpole Sitta. Track seven, Space Hog, In the Meantime. Track eight, New Radicals, You Get What You Give. Track nine, James Laid. And track 10, Lit, My Own Worst Enemy. And then honorable mention, I had to go with the wonders, that thing you do, but damn, Green Jello, Three Little Pigs is... It was a f coin flip away. They're, they're both, pig, they're both right pig. there. I love them both. So three distinct playlists tonight with only one trifecta, which is Harvey Danger. But we were all over the place with our three playlists. And the thing is, I love all three because there's not one bad song that has been talked about tonight. Period. No, End not. of story. Hard stop. This one's going to be a very interesting one for your voters since it is that diverse. There's, you know for when I'm voting on episodes, I'll usually see, okay, you can see what's in common. And then I'm picking those, you know, individual ones. Okay. That's a track that should be on all these lists and it's not. And so that guy probably is getting my vote kind of thing here. It's just like, it's just a full menu of different, I don't know, different types of dishes you get to pick from here. Seriously. I could not agree more with that. Aaron from the itch. Thank you so much for joining us again. This has been an absolute blast. Why don't you let, Listeners know where they can find you guys and keep up with what you guys got going on. Absolutely. So The Itch is a rock radio show and podcast, as mentioned earlier. We do news, reviews, interviews, uh, and a number of other 
games and features regarding just general rock music. And um, you can find us at itchrocks.com, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S, which is also our handle on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail. We're very easy to find. Well, guys, I can't thank enough again. Aaron, thank you for joining us again for another awesome episode. Brian, thank you for uh, being the co-host of this awesome show that we got growing. And I got to thank all the playlisters from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, thank you, thank you for you guys chiming in with your opinions, with everything. We can't thank you guys enough. And we're going to see you next time when a new battle takes place on Playlist Wars. Good night, everybody. You can find Playlist Wars on Facebook and Twitter at Playlist Wars, on Instagram at Playlist Wars Podcast, on email at playlistwars at gmail.com, or via voicemail at 201-644-6498. That's 201-644-6498. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review, and be sure to tell a friend or multiple friends about the show. Until next time, thanks for listening.